What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Ride Share Rodeo, presented by UberLiftDrivers.com. I'm your host, SJ. Tonight on the podcast, uh, we have two different interviews. Um, one of them is with a uh, fellow veteran driver um, who has worked full-time through the pandemic, but he's pivoted as he's needed to. And the second one, we will be talking about a gig worker super friendly app that we should all be looking into, um, as well as uh, um, a little AB5 and talking about the merger of Grubhub and Uber Eats just a little with David. He's back on the show again. But let me start off with the first uh, interview that we're doing. Um, This is a friend of ours up in Idaho who... uh, he has a YouTube channel called Drive to Win 13, and I'm just going to bring him on, and uh, we'll do that, and then we'll get to a little bit of news, and then we'll go to the other interview and see what we got going for time. All right. Hello. Hey, Jason. It's Steve. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, so, yeah, so um, I thought it would be a good idea to bring you on tonight because... Uh, I know that you're one of you're one of a few people I know who did this, but you seem to go through the pandemic in in the way that a lot of people did, and I know that you tried out quite a few platforms. So I just wanted to get any experience out there that we could to other drivers who are thinking about taking it on, what you learned, yeah. any of that kind of stuff. And so um, I know you've been doing rideshare for a bunch of years, right? Like me, I, I think it's a lot, right? I've been doing it for about three years. Yeah. So you, okay. So you're a you're a multi year veteran driver. You didn't do any yep. you didn't do any grocery or delivery before then, before pandemic. Um, I didn't do any grocery, and I did very little, um, like Uber Eats food delivery. But back pre pandemic, it probably wasn't very lucrative. No. Okay. Not so at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then, so somewhere in March was when we was when the COVID really started kind of applying to like our gig world. I mean, I know it was yeah. you can look at it from all kinds. I just am using that as a target, and that's when yeah. we saw a drop. But then we saw kind of almost the bottom fall out, and Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub and Postmates and all that just kind of took over the able to make money from rideshare went right to there. And it seems yep. like right away, I'm not sure exactly on the dates, you'll have to help with that, but it almost seems no. like on the day Rideshare died uh, dur- because of the pandemic, that was the same day that that all the food delivery platforms went through the roof. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, as a, as a Rideshare driver, y- you know the value of adapting to your passenger, right? And, uh, with this pandemic, I learned very quickly that I have to adapt to the pandemic. And um, with um, rideshare dying, it was about the middle of March, and I actually took my last Uber ride on April 1st. Um, that was my cutoff. I had, it kind of tapered off, and I said, I got to do something about this, you know. Um, even all my regular passengers, it just everything just died. So, like, but so. just just for just for a sense of knowing what you're talking about for 
people listening, like when you say completely died, you went from your average what to what? Yeah, so I was doing roughly, I would say about 15 to 20 trips per day, um, about 200 miles per day. And I would say I was making just the flat fees, probably 100 to $150 a day with those numbers in, um, in regular rideshare being Uber and Lyft. Sure. And, and for those who don't know, uh, Jason drives up in Boise. So, uh, or the Boise area. So when you noticed that that was happening, I, if I, I was following you correctly, I think that, I mean, I saw you signing up for kind of everything. It seems like you did Postmates, Instacart, like all of a sudden you just signed up for all. Did you, I mean, was, did you get all your bonuses out of them? Did you find that some platforms were fairer to gig workers than others? Um, yeah, you know, um, it was interesting when I did, when I started signing up for stuff, um, you know, all these platforms talk about these guarantees and, and bonuses and, and whatnot. And I am all about winning and I don't, I don't want to make a small amount of money and then have them guarantee me an, an amount, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I pushed pretty hard, and I actually didn't get any guarantees myself, um, but I made way more than I would have made on the guarantees. So I was just fine with that. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I, so which out of the, out of the delivery services, I will avoid Instacart for a second because I do want to just at least yeah. tap on that too, but, um, yeah. But just out of the delivery, the, you know, Grubhub, Postmates, Uber yep. Eats, DoorDash. I know, you, what'd you do? You did three of them, maybe? Four? Yep, I did three. Okay, so you did three. And did, I mean, I know initially they were all just booming. I mean, you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't stop the orders from coming in. People are tipping huge. As that yep. died out a little bit, was there were there ones that stood out? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Um, all these companies started doing free deliveries for their customers right. to try to, you know, aid to, to getting food out to people and everything. And um, what I noticed was a lot of high tip amounts were, were being added because they weren't paying those delivery fees. Um, and then I would say about within the last couple of weeks, it, it really, it really kind of died down a little bit in, you know, from that standpoint. Um, however, you know, all of them have always stayed pretty steady. I would say it probably tripled, uh, the business when the pandemic started. Um, and, uh, you know, cause everybody was ordering and getting free delivery. So, um, so, yeah, you, so you, you, you equate it to things more like people trying to find the new reality and coming out of their house, not as opposed to like a ton of drivers coming on board like they used to with rideshare. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. There was a ton of drivers that, you know, start, signed up, but there was also a very high demand and it, with all of them, including Instacart, they all had like a peak at to which it was really, really solid for the driver. And then there was just too many drivers, and then the demand slowed down. Well, now you still have all those drivers, 
and it just was not, it, you know, it just really died, died down. Right, so almost, almost the same thing as rideshare. I mean, they did the same thing. Yeah, they yeah. Just over, oversaturated it. It got very oversaturated pretty quick, yes. Right. And it was interesting because it was, it was really um, probably a week to 10 days into the major lockdowns. And I was trying to figure out why, and then it hit me that when the lockdown started happening um, and people signed up, well, it takes an onboarding process, you know, a week, even two weeks to onboard uh, with background checks and DMV checks and all that. So every, it was like a mass hit on the market. But those of us who were already involved, maybe let's just use the Uber for example, because yeah. it's an easy one. You could yep. switch, switch over to Uber Eats and almost be activated. Yeah, it was a much quicker process. They still had to do a different, I don't know why, but they had to do a different type of background check. So there was a little bit of a time frame there. It wasn't, um, wasn't very long, though, 24 hours. Right, okay. But, uh, yeah, so that's, so that's interesting. So, the, so when Rideshare died, food came up. Now... People are going back to the store. People are yep. not ordering as much, you're noticing? Not, um, ju- yeah. not just amount of drivers, but people ordering. Yeah. I would say the, the amount of people has died down the last couple of weeks um, from a, um, you know, a customer side from ordering. Yes, definitely. So two, two parts to the so, – when the pandemic switched and you kind of fully switched to delivery from rideshare at that point around April 1st for a few yep. weeks, did you find that the when it was booming that you were making the same, less, or more? Well, you know, we're really talking about two different things because we're not really talking about Instacart yet. Um, right, yeah, which is from, what I wanted from, to done last. <laughs> yeah. From Uber Eats and Postmates and uh, DoorDash, those ones, um, I would say I was probably at the peak of of the the craziness. I was making um, a little bit more than my regular Uber, um, but I was doing many more deliveries, Um, you know, because on an Uber ride, you know, you get that $20 $20 ride, all of your deliveries are going to be smaller amounts. You have higher volume of deliveries, right. um, you know. So the wheels were always turning because I was constantly going to the restaurant and back and forth and moving around. So I was constantly, I was constantly moving. So which was good, um, but it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty intense for sure. Well, I mean, I can't speak for your area, but and I did go to eats. Um, I kind of yeah. I, I took a time out because I have a I have a younger kid at home so and I have asthma so I just kind of I'm sure. just kind of now kind of re-entering how I want to re-enter but um, right. I'm trying to figure all that out but so uh, with when you were doing the food delivery um, in the beginning I don't know about where you are but here I feel like people in the beginning were getting huge tips. I mean, like yeah. like fifty dollar bills left on the doorstep. Correct. And now I feel like it's kind of it's still like it's more needed. The food, the food delivery services are still more needed than rideshares at this point. 
but yeah. I feel like people are not tipping what they were. Well, here's the deal. Um, right at the beginning, you had a large amount of people that were super scared, and they were willing to pay um, people who were braving the virus, right, because we're out there braving it. Sure. Uh, they were willing to reward us with pretty darn big tips, like you said, $50 bills. I even had a $50 bill wrapped on a thing of toilet paper <laughs> sitting there for me. Um, but no, yeah, and now um, that those people have, you know, calmed down, I guess, um, those $50 tips become $10 tips or, you know, maybe a 20 um, and the volume of tips have definitely cash tips. I'm saying, yeah, have definitely lowered for sure. It's, it's too bad to hear that because I really kind of was hoping that one of the positives out of the pandemic would be people realizing the need to tip in general. Uh-huh. I know that what you, I know exactly what you're saying because yeah. that was my fear. My fear was what happened. I, I will tell you this: <laughs> that when I have the ability to educate uh, somebody. You know, when they come out and they hand me a, um, you know, a Clorox uh, soaked uh, bill sure. and uh, they hand it to me, um, you know, and they, they ask me about the tips. They always say, you know, do you get 100 percent of the tips we leave online that that, that <laughs> enabled me to be able to, you know, answer that question, but also educate them a little bit on um, the tipping in this industry. And I basically go right towards a waiter or waitress. I say, well, just like your waiter or waitress, the service that we provide is um, not paid very well from our from our industry. Um, so tipping is um, very much needed in this industry for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, here in downtown Denver, like the, you know, the more famous historical hotels, the Brown Palace, they pay minimum, <laughs> they pay minimum wage for a, you know, for a bellhop, but that bellhop does not make minimum wage. <laughs> right. Exactly. He makes, he makes a good living. In fact. Exactly. Yep. That's so, right. I mean, I, I just, it's, it's shocking to me how many people are out and about in the world and then rideshare comes along and they're like, are we supposed to tip? It's, I just feel like, are you serious? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, you tip I, service I, industry jobs. What are you doing? Right. I think just a lot of people, <laughs> um, you know, don't, they just don't understand, uh, the cost involved with us in this industry, you know, our car, our insurance, our gas, our maintenance, you know, everything. And then also our time, you know, um, I mean, it's a, it's a a huge expense and, you know, and you wear out these cars, you know, doing 60, 70, 80,000 miles a year. Oh yeah. Big time and (laughs) and tires and yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I live in Colorado. I cannot tell you the amount of tire issues I've had here. Yeah, potholes. <laughs> yeah, just even like the days. I mean, they got they've gotten a lot better. But remember the days when you couldn't integrate the the GPS you wanted necessarily, or right. it wouldn't work yep. correctly. And but there's worked worse. It would have me going down alleys all the time in Denver. And there's every alley in Denver. It's a clean city, but it has nails all over them. Yeah. You know, so it's just, just damage, damage, damage. Yep. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about um, before we uh, tell people where they can find you too is uh, Instacart. I, I, yeah. I have friends who have worked for Instacart pre-pandemic who were like, yeah. 
you know, up in arms, ready to protest. And I think you and I kind of sit on the same side of preferring to be an independent contractor. Absolutely. So, um, so I'm not pulling like this isn't like AB five stuff or anything. This is just straight up Instacart question. Like, yeah, I feel like when you first started, that there were some videos you put out that are up on your channel that made it look really appealing. That Instacart was crushing it. Right. Is well, there, there's a couple things. Um, so you can be successful and win in Instacart. Absolutely, you can do that now, and I believe you could have done that before. The difference is so many people are taking um, batches, they're called, you know, the, the shopping. Um, they're taking these orders that are just very low paying, and I refuse to do it. So um, I will only do what makes me money, and I'm not, I'm not interested in making a small amount of money. I'm not interested in making $15 an hour. I want to make $30 an hour. Yeah. You know? you, yeah. You and I are this. That's, I think yep. that most people who sit wanting to be an independent contractor, that's the case. Cause otherwise yeah. you wouldn't see if the I point in being I an IC. If I wanted to make $15 an hour, I'd go get a job at Walmart or something. You know, I'm, I'm more, I, I, this is my business. Right. And exactly. who's successful in business isn't going to settle for, a small amount of, you know, 15 bucks an hour. It's just not the way it is. But with Instacart, you know, um, the thing, there's a couple things that I noticed right off the bat was you got to hustle. It's not a, you know, you're not just sitting around all day. You, you move. I, I even think I mentioned in one of my videos that I, I lost like 10 pounds in like 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was moving, you know, and I was working hard. Um, so yes, yeah, some of the, uh, videos that I have do show some really good successes. Um, and when people comment or email me and I educate them and I help them, I, I kind of set the framework that you do absolutely have to work. This is not, you know, it's not just a sit around game. You got to move, you got to work hard, you got to lift. Um, having said that, it is very, it can be very rewarding if you're willing to do that. Okay, so even still you think that? I do, actually, yes. Um, it's changed in the last month. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, I had a friend tell me, uh, first of all, I have a group of friends in Chicago. And, it, again, I think to people listening, too, if you don't realize what Jason and I are talking about, there is one thing to take into account here is that every market is different. Instacart is could suck in your city and then yep. be, it'd be great in mine for the driver That's or whatever. But... So these always are trade-offs, but um, I know Chicago just had the worst of Instacart. And it probably partially is, like you said, you have to hustle, and getting around yeah. Chicago is not an easy thing. Very um, true. Right. So, I mean, so that could be a huge part of it, too. But I also heard that Instacart had been holding back the good orders. Yeah, so there's some funny things going on with the algorithm uh, with Instacart, and I am still trying to figure it out, and I've talked to a lot of people, and um, they all are very confused about it as well. Um, Instacart has the ability to send uh, batches, again, those are the shops, to specific drivers. And you, that might sound unfair, but what the reason behind that is one, uh, they send them specifically to highly rated, more seasoned people, okay? 
Right. And then they also send the good ones to the brand new people, which also sounds kind of weird. Um, but just like Rideshare, you learn as you go and you learn how to be profitable with it. So they kind of give you like a bump right at the beginning. Okay, so here's some good ones. Now learn it. And then they kind of step back and make you work for them. Um, also, because this is a very, very service-oriented in, uh, industry, even more so than rideshare, because you're picking people's groceries and, you know, their lemons and their limes and their apples and all this stuff, um, the rating system on there, um, you know, there's several different metrics uh, within the rating system, not just a five-star rating. So... It gives them the ability to see if you're a good shopper and you shop quickly and you get there on time and, and your customers love you, then they want to reward you with better batches. Um, and that's that's what they're doing. Um, right now, uh, there's a little notice on there that says they have completely stopped doing that because of the pandemic. Um, so right now, they're just flooding whatever goes out there, goes out to everybody. Um sure. Because of the volume. Right, it makes sense. People, you yep. and I both know people would get picked apart to the point they couldn't work anymore Absolutely. off the platform because somebody thinks you're, that they're being late. But, I mean, yep. I can only imagine what it's like to go into grocery stores and try and find a list of things three weeks ago. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it can be a challenge. Now, one advantage that we have is at least three weeks ago we had is uh, you could go and look at the order prior to accepting it. So you could go through and you could see, okay, they want toilet paper, hand sanitizer, Clorox. Obviously, that stuff's going to be out of stock, and you can choose to not not even take it um, because of that. Um, because the way their pay platform works is if you start refunding items on there, then they take pay away from you. Um, so you don't want to do that. Um, now... It is so competitive that you don't even have time to look at the order. It's the fastest swiper out there is who gets the orders. So it's it's very, very competitive at the moment. Wow. Yeah, I feel like all these were, I mean, just a month ago or five yeah. weeks ago, you could get on any one and you, if you wanted to, you could work like we have always done with Rideshare. You could just, you might sit for 20 minutes and then you might be busy for 10 hours. Exactly. And I feel like I feel like now that's kind of starting to balance back out, but I don't know where the balance is going. And, you know, is it slowly going back to ride share? Did they oversaturate? Are these oversaturated newbies going to get out of here because they realize, wait a minute, this isn't. I think I think several things are going to happen as the country continues to reopen. I think more people are going to stop both shopping as well as uh, I'm sorry, both customers will stop ordering as well as uh, shoppers will stop shopping because they maybe go back to work or they go back onto Uber um, or whatever. Um, I I think going forward, I think the shoppers who take it very seriously know how to work it. Um, I think they will continue to be successful. Um, But again, you know, it's just like Uber, you know, you're going to be successful if you know how to work the system in terms of the timing, locations, yep. you know, all those things. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. In fact, it, to me, it sounds like Instacart even is a little more 
not, I'm not saying it's easy to learn the fishing holes to be at for ride share or the right. exact times to work in your market, but it seems like Instacart, the way you just made it sound even more difficult. I mean, it, um, it, it can be, yes, um, because people are spread out that need this service all over the place. Right. So, you know, as an example, just this morning, uh, uh, one came up and there was no tip on it. It's very low paying. And I looked down because it tells you how far the customer's away. It was 21 miles away. And I thought, I'm literally going to make $6 an hour to go do that one. Um, you know, but that customer, I don't know, somebody probably took it. But, um, but yeah, you, you it's, it's tough um, because it's the whole area. Everybody needs it, you know. And there's only maybe one or two stores in your market that they're going to be shopping from. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah. But. Well, um, so for people listening, I mean, is it still a good idea? Is it still a good idea? Is it, is it too late for people to jump on board? Is it? Um, I will tell you that there is a lot of waiting lists. Um, even, you know, if, if you watch some of my videos, you'll, you'll notice that, um, I talk about some of this on there, but, um, right off the bat, uh, one of the things that I was doing just to try to help people was if you use like my referral link, if, if we're, um, you know, if they're signing up for Instacart and they use my link, I might get a hundred bucks or $200 after they complete a certain amount. Well, I was actually giving half of that back two people. Um, so I had a lot of people sign up. And what I noticed was as time went on, there became waiting lists. And those numbers, just like Uber and Lyft and all those, they went from, you know, a $500 payout to $10 payout. Um, sure. I would say, honestly, right now, if I was going to try to get into something, I would probably honestly not uh, do Instacart um, only because of the amount of uh, shoppers that are on that platform right now. Right. Um, not only is it not only is it flooded, but you're dealing with professionals on that level. Correct. Who, who are going to just snag it out of your hands before you can even learn it? Exactly. And there's also some uh, other stuff. I actually just released a video a few days ago um, on. Um, a few issues that Instacart is having with um, computer programs and uh, people hacking and things like that. Um, so I don't think that's completely the problem, but um, that is available on there. So it has the ability to happen. Let's just say that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people, but then I'm gonna let you in case you because I think you got a couple other platforms. So I already I already said it before uh, bringing them on, but. You can find Jason at on YouTube at Drive to Win thirteen, and you can find him on Twitter at Drive underscore two uh, underscore Win thirteen. But I think there's some and the YouTube, if I'm not mistaken, correct me please if I am. But is your is the primary way that people would learn about things? Uh, yes, definitely. I, I start each one of my videos uh, with a phrase, and it is, uh, if you've ever watched any of my videos, you'll notice that I have a thing for winning. 
I like to win, and I like to help other people win as well. That's just, that's what I say, and that's what I do. So I actually work really hard with people who interact with me on my YouTube channel. Um, you know, I got about 15 emails yesterday. I, I kid you not, this is this is happening. Yeah. 15 emails yesterday um, from people down south in Phoenix, um, in the Phoenix area, uh, basically signed up and are requesting help. And I am literally on my way to drive down there <laughs> to help them, all of them. <laughs> wow. So I'm making the cross-country trip. Uh, that, that'll be in a video later. But um, YouTube is the best because I I am all about education on there. So I give a lot of really valuable uh, information if you want to do it seriously um, and you actually want to make money doing it, whether it's full-time, part-time, be a business owner, that's what you're going to get by watching these videos, very outside-the-box thinking. Um, I, if you do everything like everyone else, you'll get the same results everyone else does. Exactly. So I think, I think way outside the box, keeping it within the legal um, you know, policy stuff, but um, there's a lot of things that you can do um, and make, make decent money at it. Um, I also have my Instagram account, which is also drive to win 13. Um, and then I have kind of a fun one, uh, that I do That's my Snapchat account, which is also drive to win 13. Um, and, uh, I actually, when I drive for Lyft and Uber, I give kind of, um, on the stories on there, the crazy things that happen <laughs> to me throughout my, my shifts. <laughs> right. So that yeah. gets entertaining as you know, but. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, but but one thing for sure is people, if you're out there and you're looking at this, I noticed two months ago or when all this was developing, there's a ton of people who have YouTube channels. And, you know, some are monetized and that's the primary reason or whatever. They've got so many videos. I noticed that you were a rideshare driver who over the yep. last two months has made like, I think I counted 17 if I counted correctly videos yeah. on just how to and they're not they're not an hour long or anything they're nope. they're that kind of like just perfect time like eight to 15 minutes yep. and it seemed like everyone was like a really good quick briefing so if you're thinking about doing any of these definitely check out youtube drive to win 13 and jason himself just said it that you know communicate with him on there too sounds like yeah. he'd be willing to throw any advice anybody has or answer questions or help you out or you know. yeah i uh, i actually one of the reasons that i utilize um the sign up uh stuff on there is to be able to finance my ability to help people sure. um and uh, you know it's it the, the videos are expensive to make it's hard to keep up with all that um but for me i really do like to help people win and i love hearing all of my Followers on there. Um, I'm gaining um, five to six, seven hundred followers a month on there, um, uh, and so it's even becoming more to me uh, busy. <laughs> um, but I like to have the ability to help people be the best they can be within this industry. And now, granted, I also get a lot of you know people on there complaining and and whatever. But yeah, you um, you always will. <laughs> yeah, but. When it really comes down to it, um, I like to win, and yeah. uh, you know, and that's that's what it's about. You gotta you gotta work hard. You gotta think outside the box to to make that happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know if you've been, I think you have following all my stuff. I've spent, I have literally learned everything PUA about every state. Yeah. And uh, it is literally using half of my brain. So I need to start, like, if people, again, if you're hearing this, hit me up, same as him. I'm open for questions on it because soon I'm going to start letting that information bleed out. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. All right, Jason. Well, thanks for uh, for coming on, man. I appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll have you back. Yep, absolutely. All right, have a good one, buddy. Yep, you too, Mike. Peace. Once again, everyone, uh, make sure you check out um, Jason's site, Drive to Win 13, uh, on YouTube. He has some really good videos up there, especially if you're looking to kind of change around the gigs right now, the timeliness of how of when he's done some of the the most recent ones and what they're relative to and stuff might, might be appealing to you. So make sure you give it a look. Um, as well as any of the other social medias that he presented that he has presence on. Uh, let's see. Let's run through a couple things going on, and then we can. Uh, then I will bring on the other guest tonight, uh, David, and we will go through something you guys are all going to like, Argyle. So um, you're going to definitely want to look into this. But let's run through just a couple things. Uh, so PUA is live everywhere now. The money is moving everywhere. Uh, still hearing some stories from Florida and New York drivers that have not received the check, but I've also heard enough stories from people who have received the check. Uh, I've also heard stories of email confirmations, but no check. It is coming, people, for, for both of you. Um, I know that you know Nevada was the last to roll out, but this is still an ordeal and you were some of the first ones to launch, but the money's moving. Um, the only one that I'm actually a little confused on now, and I thought we had this done and put away, but I had been approached by a couple people, um, to address this. And today, uh, I had two emails, one that came in right before I started this podcast saying that, um, both about New Jersey and saying two different issues. The one that just came in before the podcast is, is a little odd. It's he's saying that, uh, he's been receiving the state UI and it's a gig worker, self-employed driver that, you know, who should have applied only through the PA PUA portal. And I know some States want you to apply, get rejected, whatnot, so he applied, he is getting the, and he applied on May 11th. So I will need to look at exactly what was going on with Jersey. If I remember right, they did in the beginning want you to register for UI, get denied, and then come back when the PAU launched, uh, PUA. And then they wanted you to reapply just so that you were in the system. I thought they abandoned that idea. But I'm wondering if this is part of it. But anyway, he has been receiving, since the 11th when he enrolled, he's been receiving uh, the state checks of, you know, two, 300 bucks a week. But he's not getting any of the pandemic money. And I had actually just heard this, but in a different setting about New Jersey earlier today. And I've talked to a couple other people in Jersey who have just said, you know, what a, what a mess, but I know that what a mess is kind of applicable to a lot of states. So 
as soon as the podcast is over tonight or first thing in the morning, I'm going to be looking into New Jersey specifically. New York and Florida just, I hate to say it, but just hang a little tighter, just a little longer it's coming. But New Jersey, I'm a little confused, I know. And it, don't get me wrong, everybody in New Jersey, it's coming. I just, I'm very, I'm, I'm confused by these emails I'm getting because it just seems, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm baffled. Uh, but anyway, I will keep an eye on that. We will keep uh, looking into that for sure. So I wanted to rehash a little something I brought up last week. Uh, okay, so in the last two weeks, Uber has laid off uh, 6,700 employees. 3,700 the week, the end of the week before last week, and then another 3,000 at the beginning of last week. Um, now go back to March 17th. On March 17th, Uber... GM Cruise, Aurora, and Argo AI all paused their autonomous divisions, all of them. Now, fast forward to last week, the second batch of the layoffs for Uber employees, the one that consisted of the 3,000 early last week. In that batch was every member of the autonomous team at Uber. So... We know that Uber's workforce, by reducing 6,700 people in the United States, is the equivalent of just under 25%. It's like 24.1%. So we know that they're, might as well call it 25%. They've laid off 25% of their employees. These aren't drivers. These are employees with benefits and all that. And today, they laid off 600 Uber employees in India, which 600 might not seem like, I mean, it's a big number, but it might not seem as big because of the 6,700. But in India, 600 is also a quarter of its total workforce. So easier number to work with. For example, India today laid off 600 people. They had 2,400 laid off 600. They have 1,800 left. I mean, it's that it's it's easier to put it into that perspective and think about. It. It's quite a lot of people, and a lot of divisions are just gone that had been money. I mean, we've all been veteran drivers like myself have all been saying, "Why do they just keep throwing money into this never-ending hole?" I mean, autonomous is not even close, and it looks like they're starting to. Even though these sound horrible, the maybe prioritize here, which you'd think this big company would have already done, but clearly not. Um, <laughs> the Uber driver passenger new technology that was supposed to come out, facial recognition with the constantly uh, running uh, video that they could cut in and out of, and I told you last week, I said, no way they could incur that cost. And then they launched on Monday, the day before last week's podcast, and we already knew of issues. We knew of cities that were down. It wasn't working. Well, here we are another week later, and it is a complete Uber fail, complete bust. The riders do not have uh, to do anything to, prov to provide mask is being worn. Nothing at all. They were supposed to. There was a couple of things that were being tossed around. Nothing. 
the driver app just has you uh, take a picture like we've done in the past, pull over here and there, perhaps more often. And I can't tell you the amount of drivers this week who have emailed me saying, the system's not fixed, but they are asking for the pictures more. And with the mask on, not only did they not do any new technology, they they miscoded parts of the masks because the wrong lighting on a mask will will reject it and put it back to the driver as you're not wearing a mask. I mean, that's how insane this is. That when I last week when I called it a PR stunt, this is the summary of what that PR stunt was. Here you go. We're going to have threaded video running constantly. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're sending stuff out. Riders are going to have to prove it. Drivers are going to have to prove it. Uh, you're going to have to accept on each other, all this stuff. We knew that wasn't going to be what it what, what they said, but here we are, and they did nothing. Nothing. The only thing they did was try to change the coding of the facial recognition to take out the mouth to the chin as long as it was covered by a mask. And even that was screwed up. Uber couldn't even handle a minor tweak of their own coding. So again, I guess, you know, technology company, I I, I don't know. I have, a, I have a, you know, it's things like this that make me even wonder where their stance is on being a tech company because this is very simple stuff. Um, if they had done an overhaul, that would have been different, but just a little recoding and it wasn't even done and it took them two weeks. To me, that seems like it was a business move to not have to say yet to people that they'd have to wear masks. But we'll see how that plays out. Actually, I'm kind of putting that to bed. I think that Again, it was just a PR stunt for a few weeks of good PR. Hopefully, a lot of these reporters that reported on it will come back out and report on what really happened from all this crap. Because nothing happened. And nothing happened to protect the drivers. Once again, showing such a lack of respect for the drivers and for everything. The bailout they received, everything. So, Uber... Other companies, but Uber, pull it together. You know this is this is ridiculous. Some of your some of your arguments, uh, I'm with you. I, I understand what you're trying to stop or what your position is, but on this one, I am just lost. I mean, you are you are putting people at danger, and it just seems that black and white. Uh, let's see. Oh, Uber. It appears that Uber and Lyft got uh, easily enough signatures to uh, make sure that they got on the ballot in November to uh, to to carve out or altogether abolish AB5. So they will be on the ballot. You will be voting if you think that... I don't know how it's going to be worded. I'll keep looking into that to see. But it's, you know, I mean, in essence, it's going to be... Are, do you want to be an independent contractor or an employee? That's what it's going to be. And we are going to talk a lot more about AB5, a little bit with David in a second here when I bring him in, but a lot more next week when I have Marissa here for the whole show. That's what we're going to do is just break down AB5 from many standpoints, uh, maybe even quote some people and whatnot, and just make sure that everybody 
my most important thing here is that everybody has all the information. Make sure that you weren't just told AB5 is horrible or that you weren't told AB5 is awesome and the only thing you should do. Make sure that you understand AB5. Because just like politics and other things, people are pushing both sides of this no matter what to get people to get on their side. So I'm not saying you need to read every article, have a full breakdown, talk to lawyers, but really even go to our website, uberliftdrivers.com. Get on there, search AB5, read some articles, become familiar with what AB5 really is. Um, And next week, I think we'll have an eye-opener for a lot of you, even who have no clue but have heard it and want to really know it's going to be a good week to tune in. So I'm going to switch over. I'm going to get David on the phone, and we're going to do our interview, and then I will uh, close out this week. So hang on here, guys. Good. Um, so again, uh, I guess I've only been doing this for a few weeks, but I feel like it's been a while because I already got you back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having me uh, back. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. Uh, so, um, are we gonna let's let's uh, talk a little bit about this uh, project Argyle because I like this thing and I uh, I think that everybody should be testing it and i don't i don't know i know i know you had me go to the website take a look and i did and i you know i was a little skeptical because what are they taking and stuff and so maybe like if you could walk us through like what you figured out what data could be extracted should you do it as opposed to people going to argyle um just things you found out and maybe uh because i know that like i know what what you found out for for me and like I would love to see this if I'm a driver. So drivers out there or any workers on the gig platforms, you're going to be interested in this because it really, it'll go way back to um, and show you exactly what they were taking, what you were taking, at least as rideshare. I don't know for the others, but uh, David has some words I'm sure here, but uh, yeah, I think we should talk about this. Yeah. Awesome. I think uh, taking a step back, a lot of people, uh, are used to dual apping. And I think in the current environment, people are having to resort to sort of dual, triple, quadruple apping. But at the same time, it's very hard to get data or to really compare between the different apps. And I think the apps don't make it easy. Uh, I think the second part of this also is it's very hard to get your data or your work history from a Uber or a Lyft or any of the other big apps. Uh, so combining those two things uh, is hard. And I think what we've realized is that, you know, in the current environment, it would be best if people could see their historical data, could get some sort of analytics on, uh, you know, what their driving behavior looks like, and also just compare across different platforms. And why that's been hard in the past is, it's, you know, while the Uber app shows you your work history, 
there's no way for you to get that in a format that is easy to look at or get your hands around uh, other than in the app. And basically the data is shown to you only in the way in which Uber uh, cuts it and shows it to you. So uh, the project I've been working on, Autonomy Jobs, uh, trying to help people in the current environment, basically we were trying to look into, is there a way in which you could find out how much people are making on different apps and through Digging, we found this company called Argyle. And what they effectively do is they can plug into uh, most of the gig apps at Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Postmates, Winolo, Wag, Caviar, sort of it runs the gamut. What basically happens is they act as your uh, data broker, basically. So they represent you, and they go to any of the gig apps and say, hey, Steve is looking for access to the data that is rightfully his. Uh, and he happens to want it in this format. Uh, please give it to us. Uh, and what happens is the gig apps then uh, give Argyle this data in that format. I think one thing that's interesting is they only give Argyle the data that they deem to be yours. So if they sort of aggregate hours, like let's say you drove across multiple days of the week. And you know how on the Uber earnings app it says you earned X dollars and X hours? Right. Yeah, it won't say, you know, Steve drove 50 hours this week. But what it will give you is basically sort of the data of every trip you did. Uh, but effectively, they're able to do this all the way back in time. Um, right, yeah. That's what I, I liked about it, too. Because you could go back to – if you want to do the percentage – like when I was asking you about it, like I said, when I, when I said it'd be great if on the stat sheet they added in the percentage break, even though you can look at every one and you know, you can say, oh, that's 70, 30, me, 30, or 70, me, 30, Uber. It's pretty easy just to give it a look and know. But same as like you were talking about the app making things hard. Like you have to go into, you know, trip details, then like dri uh, driver details to get the actual fare and what Uber took out, they make it a lot of screen flow to get to each trip to see the breakdown. So I think if that percentage was there too, it would be awesome because you'd be able to, if you've done this like I have, you'd be able to go back and see when we used to get 80, 20 kind of thing and watch how that's changed and when it's going way down, then back up some. And... Yeah, and I think what's interesting is you could look in your own data like what, Times worked well for you uh, around in what areas did you drive that made sense for you? Uh, how much did incentives play a role in what you earned, right? Uh, Uber does show you some of it, but you could sort of look at it in the way that makes sense for you. And I actually think but the next step But Uber at, also yeah. starts to do like an archive thing too, where they, yes, the data is there and it's always there for tax reasons. But after like, you know, if you go way back in your trip, like, I don't I, I don't know exactly how far, but if you went back like six, seven months in your trips and you wanted to see trip details, it, they might not be there anymore. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I, I, can't, I can't go back to 2016 and look at my trip details for Uber. They didn't even have that feature. So I can't go back to 2017 or 18 and look at my trip details because those have just kind of become retired with the the taxes. You know, it's like almost like a lot of sites do this. They archive things and they don't 
you know, they only give you data on the last three, four months or whatever. Yeah, and you did the trips, and, you know, you're sort of entitled to that data. Right, and so that brings me to a question I, I totally wanted to ask you, so I'm glad that we talked about this. When you are interfacing with Argyle, because you're submitting a number from your driver app, like your number, and I know Uber knows it, but is it because everything should be on the Internet? Is the Argyle Uber, and I'm not saying for any kind of security risk to people, that's not where I'm going here, but is your is your driver number masked to the point where Argyle's saying to Uber, we need the stats, we need the data for this driver number, but it's masked, so they don't even see what they're spitting back at you for, for who it is? Uh, yes, that's my understanding. So they sort of hit up Uber's internal API, basically, and there's sort of a masked number there, and the system is just returning the data. So right, because, like, no, nowhere, the, nowhere I saw, but also I'm asking you now, like, nowhere you saw did you see names or or – personal data or anything? No, not at all. And the only reason that I'm able to access the data is because you're giving permission for that data to be shared with me. So the data is actually stored securely somewhere else uh, behind sort of uh, encryption and hashing, basically. Uh, And you give permission to me, David, to uh, view a version of it to try and do something with it for you, basically. Right. So I guess what another – so something I'd like the – people hearing this to know is that so what David can do and hopefully he can explain this better than me but I'm going to at least hit up on this is if you give him the information and you want the data spit back out on no matter how many if you work Uber if you work Lyft or if you work both or if you work all 100,000 gigs out there who knows um, you can get all your data back if you give it to David like what he did for me, he can spit it back in like a, you know, he'll give it back to you in like a, I think it wasn't Excel. I think it was Excel. Yeah. So, something easy to read. You, even if you don't have Excel, you could open it, whatever. But it was just real easy stats. And it was a, it wasn't a lot of scrolling and data that didn't make sense here and there. It was really easy columns, but you just, you didn't get so much detail that it flooded you, but it was, it was like just enough. You could see. Yeah, I think. Uh, Like every trip, like you said. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. What we're actually trying to do is uh, get it even simpler than that. So just show us a couple basic charts. So, like, this is the hours you worked across these platforms. Here's how much you made per hour. I think there's some interesting stuff you can do. Let's say you were just driving Uber primarily. There starts to be some Uber-specific recommendations. So, you know, people in your neighborhood are making this much per hour during these times, maybe this time might make you more money to work there. Uh, but where I think the tool gets super interesting is uh, for people who are working across multiple apps. So you could probably see that, hey, generally on Tuesday afternoons, I'm, you know, in the past you've made more on Instacart than Uber. Uh, right. Maybe it makes sense to try that. But just the idea being that right now, I think even simpler than that, just really understanding what you're making on each platform is hard right now. Right, and then there's the version of the United Kingdom and what they did. So last year, for drivers and people listening who don't know, actually the last two years, um, everybody over in Europe has been fighting for their data. Same kind of thing that David's talking about now, getting your data. 
they've been fighting for it. They want it. Give us our data. We want to know what your what you have on us. And it's been in Parliament and a, and a big, big hassle. And if, if, if people remember, I don't know how many of you do, um, it wasn't mainstream headline news here, but it made it for a couple days last year. They did finally let them have it. But what they were getting was kind of what I was referring to at first with David, like it's what it's not. So they were getting like these spreadsheets with like, you know, people with, with some computer skills. Yeah, you'd probably be able to figure some stuff out, but it's not this pretty form. And you had to have it mailed, and you were just basically getting a, an acquired data form on you. And it, it, I mean, it almost could look like like basic computer science to some people. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that it really helped, but I know that there is a way to read it. I know that it doesn't come in a beautiful format, and it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't present itself as pretty. And, oh, look, hey, I can actually understand this. But I know that when you get your data, there is a way to, in the U.K., there's a way to unlock it, see it. But I think you have to have the help of others. But here, David's on the way out where, and this is, I guess, where I'll let you take on this, but, like, where you're, you're kind of, as I, as I see it, developing a way to get people the, the data in a manner where they get it, but it's also easy to read and easy to file away, keep, like, a one sheet on everything. Uh, exactly right. Thus, having you know, let's say you've done twenty thousand trips uh, in total. Having a spreadsheet with twenty thousand lines, uh, with you know ten columns or fifteen columns across, like that isn't helpful, right? Uh, <laughs> so uh, the whole well, what I imagine, well, yeah. no, it's not. But how I imagined it was that, at least in the beginning, all these people that thought there had to be some computer programmers out there who right away saw the need for the business. <laughs> And again, I'm just guessing, but I would guess that this is the fact that who learned quickly how to decode that and turned it into something for people over there. Uh, yes, exactly. And that's sort of uh, what we're working on right now, actually. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's turning it into that, yeah, super simple we, charts. Yeah. But see, the way we have it here in the United States, we don't have, first of all, we don't have parliament and everybody knows that, but if uh, over there, when Parliament said, yes, they are all allowed to get their data, Uber had to mail every driver their data. So here it's still like you – we don't have the – we didn't have a, a grand jury or the Supreme Court ruling come down and say, you have to get everybody their data, mail it out today, or else if, if we did, me and every other driver I know never got it. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> um, that hasn't happened here. So that what's really is coolest about this is that it is kind of that you stumbled onto Argyle, that you learned how to optimize it because we don't have the exact – I mean, we have the right, but there's a lot of – there's a lot of cloudiness around data rights. You'd think that the data is yours, but all these little checkboxes that we click, we agree, we agree, we agree, and don't read them. They do add up, and in those checkboxes and all that writing that we never read says things like, you know, we'll be keeping your data. And although that's being challenged everywhere right now, in the meantime here in the United States, data is – you can't just call Uber and say, send me all my data. They, they're just – they'll hang up on you. 
They don't have to. They don't, they'll say, you know, if you're not in the UK, they'll just hang up on you. They don't have to. I feel like it. that could be a uh, an interesting podcast segment, just trying to <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but so I like what you guys are doing because it seems like Argyle, for whatever reason, already had a relationship with Uber. And so they already had this communication to be able to get the data probably even more data than they can give you. But, like, when you ask for, like, that's why I was asking about the masking, because when you ask for data, they're spitting you back everything they can about that on Uber or on DoorDash or Grubhub or whatever, Instacart. But they're on board that everybody needs to realize is out there. How many times has your data been sold? What marketing demographic have they placed you in? I mean, there's some really weird stuff out there on us, but yeah, and I don't. What, I'm, right, you're not going there, that. and what and what? No. But what you're doing is awesome because I do think that, especially right now when people are transitioning to food delivery or this or that, coming out of COVID is going to be very important to be able to see, you know, because a lot of people maybe they did just do ride share and then COVID came and now they're on like seven platforms. It would be really nice to be able to see coming back out of that. Like almost like uh, surge meters, like which one's surging right now? <laughs> yeah, and I you think know, we like, all know that uh, it really depends on the market, right? So in some markets, some apps are doing better. There's also sort of a week-by-week fluctuation. But what I love about this is if you get more people on this bought in, there's sort of this almost community coming together uh, to help each other figure out what makes the best sense for people, basically. So sort of as more people come on, people can start to make smarter decisions. So was this the initial drive for Argyle? I mean, was this the, was this the purpose of their website, uh, their, their business? Is this? I, I don't want to speak for them. My understanding is they've sold, sold sort of the technical problem of how to do this. Uh, and they are partnering with uh, companies. Uh, we're not a company, but sort of, uh, such as ourselves, basically, uh, right. to find useful and meaningful ways to use this. Right. But they, but maybe even they've, at some level, they have a working relationship with Uber. They have to, because otherwise they could just be grabbing data. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, yes, and uh, I. Similarly, I can't quite speak on their behalf, but my understanding is that they found sort of, I think, the legal, the right legal approach to this. Yeah, so I'm mean, not sure. Yeah, what the yeah, relationship much, with Uber yeah, looks like. Yeah, much but. better said. I'm, I'm, I'm by no means any, to people listening. By no means am I saying that Uber and Lyft and Grubhub and Instacart all really loved Argyle and the fact they were getting our data to us, so they just gave them the thumbs up. I'm not. Saying, <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. In fact, like I'm sure that it's a battle, but somehow yeah. they've they've found a way. It's not illegal, and it should be tested. And that's kind of what you're doing right now. So, um, in regards to Argyle, the stats are great to have people. I mean, like especially the drive for a while. It's just great to file away. I mean, print it, yeah. file away, save it on your computer. Who knows? But. When I look, I mean, it really, especially if you're doing multiple platforms, you know, really is useful. It'd be great for so many reasons. 
And what I find fascinating for me is I used to do a lot of this analytics internally at Uber, right? What are people making per hour? What does, you know, earnings over time, over weeks look like? So what really excites me is basically using that tool set and just providing that visibility and functionality to the drivers around the, like, who are the business, basically. So sort of using the same data. Or the dog walkers or to. food or... Yeah, or I, I mean, heard, yeah, I even heard you say wag, yeah. so yeah, 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 and it's that's, just you know, I think that's the thing is how can we just provide easy, actionable insights from data that people are that's theirs basically. So what is a so what is if somebody somebody's listening to this right now and they're thinking I want my data, what do they do? Uh, well, this week we're launching sort of an update on our website, economy.jobs, uh, just giving some insight into what average hourly earnings are uh, uh-huh. in sort of each state by each platform. Uh, but to be honest, this is something that we're probably going to start rolling out in, call it, one to two weeks. So anybody who's interested, we would love to work with you uh, and get your help in making this reality and get your inputs and thoughts, Right. Uh, so for anyone who's interested, please just shoot me an email. It's david at autonomy.jobs. Uh, but shoot me an email. I will give you a phone call. We can text, email, whatever makes sense. And I would love to work with you uh, to help make this a reality. It is the bead time. Is, is it still beneficial to you, or are you no longer at that point you need it where if not an overflow of 10,000 people wanted it tomorrow, but – that you still need a couple people to, yeah, to I think, uh, help guinea pig this data a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, having a couple people always helps. And I think the other part of this is I just want people's input in terms of what you want to see. So I think we've figured out that we're able to pull the data, but how do we want to show it is the way we're showing it makes sense. I think the biggest thing I want to do is just what questions do you have? What do you want to know? Uh and then we can sort of go backwards from there, and I can figure out how can we do it. But I think that's – You know, I think, like I think it'd be great if you could do like a printable or like a, a – somehow a login from your uh, – from autonomy.jobs where people can create just a one-page – not a Facebook, nothing, nothing too social here. But, you know, you, you can even just use a username kind of thing. And yeah. no, you don't have to have an avatar. You can't any of that kind of stuff, but it's not social. You're not meeting people. You're not interacting, or maybe you are down the road. But where they can just put in which ones they work for, yeah. and then as they got populated by, by uh, autonomy from Argyle to autonomy into however it's going to be laid out, they could almost like tab across each one, put them all together, sort them by date, sort them by pay. Uh, yes, and, uh, yes, and that you're sort of uh, selling, selling our future there. I love it. That's sort of uh, <laughs> what, what we hope, right? And I think the biggest one is uh, <laughs> I think from no, my I, I think that uh, I think yeah. that would just be like the greatest way because then, if, especially if there was a print option too, yeah, like if you could set, you know, like you know how with you know any any uh, Excel type program, you can just click the header of date or pay and then have it be ascending or descending order. So you could print it. You could set it up the way you want and then print these pages or print them all together. I don't know. I would just think that would be something that people would want to have. No, and I think that makes sense. Let's do it. 
So, yeah, so if anybody listening knows me for years, um, I already worked with David on this. He's already had, he's had my info. He did it, worked great, nothing bad happened. So it's safe, and, uh, and, it's, and it's totally legit. I, mean, I don't know if I would tell you to go to the, not David's site, but the other site, because I don't think that it tells you enough about the project. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Argyle. I mean, you can, but I don't think that, do you, David? I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think it would be super helpful. I In fact, it might even be confusing. Uh, but for uh, anybody who's interested, reach out, and I'm happy to talk you through it. it is, yeah, so then I have some ideas to talk with you about too, David. But when you launch, after you launch it, like when it's fully launched, like ready, ready in a couple of weeks, we should let's have you back on, let's, and then let's really build it. Yeah, no, that would be great. Uh, because I think that people to need to use this. I mean, they really do. Even if it's just literally you do it once, you print your stuff all the way back to whenever you started. I mean, it just, I don't know, it makes me feel better to have my data. And it's very hard to get your data from companies these days. And But this is our job, too. So I really would like to have hard copy, saved copy on my computer, printed copy, of all the work I've done over the years. So I'm imagining a lot of people are like me, and that's the frustrating thing about these gigs is you can't get it. So, um, you know, if you know me, email David and, and help him out in the next week or two because when I gave him our, my information, he pulled it, like, the next by the next morning, he had a print, he had a print out. So, <laughs> I mean, it was pretty quick, and it was super easy. So, um, yeah, if you want to email him and then I'll into the website, I'll tag this again. I'll tag it in the post because I think that this shouldn't be overlooked by people. People should get into this. Um, so I will hit that up again. I did, I did want to ask you, too, David, you and I were having a discussion about uh, Grubhub and Uber. And that this has been in the, in the news in the past, uh, you know, two weeks now, I guess. But. And it seemed like it was a close acquisition merger, but then it seemed like, wait, the people were, you know, even like politicians were getting on sides here. People were on sides. Would they take advantage of the market? Would they not? Would this help the market? Would it hurt it? Uh, David and I have talked a little about it, but, I mean, just first thought, general feelings, David, what are yours? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting move from Uber. What they're trying to do is just aggregate demand, it seems. And it's interesting. I think what you brought up with the politicians, they call it uh, pandemic profiteering. I think was the term. <laughs> uh, you know, well, they're always profiteering. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it just gave it a new title in front of the profiteering. But sure, okay. But I think one thing that was interesting was uh. Even combined, they would have less market share than DoorDash. And I think you made brought up a really good point, Steve, when we were talking, which is, you know, this idea of market share is sort of a very high-level stat, but these apps compete locally and in any given market, you know, who owns what part of the market or which app has the most usage or the most uh, people on it, it really varies. Uh, exactly. I mean, there's, there's markets where Uber Eats isn't even – like a thought of people's or it's even like left and came back or maybe it isn't even there anymore. I'm, 
not 100% sure which markets are doing food apps that wouldn't have Uber Eats, but I know they have left, and I'm not just talking about worldwide, a couple of local markets here in the United States and then come back. I know that, like, you know, you can go somewhere and DoorDash might have 90% of the business. And all the others, Postmates, Grubhub, Uber Eats, all the others together make up the other 10%. So, obviously, when you talk about how much of the market is each of these companies, it really depends on where you are because in a lot of places, Grubhub and Uber might make up 80 90% of the city. So, by merging, you know, a 50% to 40%, let's say, you got 90%. You really did just take over that market. But, yeah, you might not take over your neighboring town. Yeah, and I think where it gets interesting for drivers is just sort of a, what does that mean for pay, right? And I think sort of in the short term, there's not uh, too much change, right? If you think about it, the demand is still the same. It's just sort of merged, and it depends on how the platforms manage uh, sort of consolidation uh but on the medium term, you have to imagine that there might be some influence. You know, there's less incentive, fewer players. Uh, earnings might go down. But I think going back to our earlier point, uh, people have to be able to see which platforms pay them more. So if, you know, the consolidated version pays them less, maybe it's time to go work on a different platform. I also think just coming out of the current environment, we're going to see new entrants into this market, right? I think there's been this behavior change in people with food delivery, grocery delivery, et cetera. And, you know, yeah. it's not going to maintain exactly the same once things start to come back, but some behavior is here to change. And given the fact that these older players all lose money, uh, there's yeah. going to be new yeah, people exactly. trying in the market. There's going to be new people trying in the market. Uh, you know what I thought is, I you know what I thought has been really yeah. interesting through this whole pandemic with the gig workers is at first it's, it's pure anger when you think of it this way, but that the companies did nothing with masks, with gloves, with taking care of us out of the gate. I mean, a couple have done next to nothing in the last couple weeks. Um, Maybe, maybe, maybe even not. I mean, to me, not even, I barely even count it. But that I'm very interested in how I've always thought that rideshare drivers, you know, first of all, we don't get even a day of training. When you hire on for Uber, they do a background check. They check your driver's driving record, and then you're good to go. You just turn it on. They give you no instruction. I think you get a two-minute yeah. video, and uh doesn't help you barely. I mean, it goes through some basics, but it doesn't help you with troubleshooting or things that might happen or whatever. And so, I mean, I think it's interesting how every rideshare driver and gig, like most gig workers, have have to not only learn on their own, but then they all have like their own little spin on it because – and it's not like a style. It's not like their own way of doing it. I'm not going even that far, even though a lot of them have that as well. I'm talking about, like, how they have to just train themselves for all this. And then the pandemic came, and not only was the soap and the hand, the gloves and all this not provided, there wasn't information provided until a week ago about requiring face masks. That's not even still working. I mean, that the face mask recognition – I, I've had so many pictures sent to me of Uber saying, pull over and take your picture. And the driver has to like pull into like a hundred different lights of because of the sun. Cause it says you're not wearing your mask and they're taking pictures with the mask on. 
Like it, it's the Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, riders don't have to take pictures, do they? No, but they have the riders. Riders were supposed to. Yeah. They they were supposed to have to be able to take a picture, and that was what would actually call the driver initially. Yeah. This is how they described it. The drivers would have to pull over whenever they told them that it was going to be a lot. Riders were going to have to – actually, I'm jumping ahead of myself because the very first thing was – and this is when you do – we were talking complete BS because they talked about a new technology, which I don't even think was going to be tech. What it was going to be was very expensive, of running uh, raw video footage of the drivers all the time and checking in whenever they wanted. You know, if that's not the dumbest thing I've ever heard from a company that can't make money, I don't know what to say because, I mean, like, that would be so expensive to run servers. I mean, it would take countries to run the servers on all the drivers of data for video. But also just think of, like, how expensive your phone plan is, and now imagine if you're uploading video all the time. Well, I'm imagining somehow, I don't know how, but somehow that would have to be put on them. Maybe not. I mean, I guess I have a data list. I have a, I have a unlimited data plan, so you know, I don't know. Um, but uh, I, I'm still, I'm really I think that it's really weird how, with the pandemic happened, no help, nothing from these companies, and barely even knowing if not only was it a smart or a dumb thing to get out on the road, and you had to make that decision yourself, but. Was it allowed? I mean, there was no word, no chance in how everybody, every single person pivoted, made adjustments, did whatever they had to do to make masks. And this is before people were making masks and on Instagram showing you how to make a mask out of a bandana with hair ties and all these things. Drivers were already doing this. They were putting, you know, saran wrap between the front and back seat. No, I'm not saying that is a good idea. But I'm just saying it was happening. People were already starting to do this. And this is how this is how Uber wanted it for because they left it like that for weeks, six weeks. They weren't even saying, Hey, if your driver has this, we should let us know so we can have them take it down. They were just kinda like impressed that the drivers were doing it. I'm thinking, This is the why don't you guys have a position here? Why are you not helping? But so all these people now, you know, with Uber and Grubhub that have moved into that out of rideshare, because I think that we all know a lot of the a lot of the drivers you're getting for food right now are rideshare drivers. Uh, you know, a lot of I, I don't know a lot of food people I know had kind of got into it, but got out of it because they said you can't make money doing it pre-pandemic. And then pandemic came, and you started making on Grubhub, Uber, and the other eating apps. Uh, delivery apps that you started making two to three times as much as rideshare, and for the first time you were jammed making money on, on the delivery. So it, I think a lot of people switched over rideshare to delivery, and I think that uh, um, I think that when it switches back and rideshare ship comes back up, a lot of those drivers are the type who like to drive people, who like the interaction. And I think they're going to see their numbers go back down. So Uber, one thing that's going to have to be very careful here is Grubhub and Uber, 
I don't know. Who knows where this will go? But I, they're going to have to be very careful about their pricing model to customers and how they and driver treatment. And I know it's neither of their their strong suits to care about driver treatment, but they're going to have to. I don't know. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, as far as the merger goes, I don't know, Dave. Do you have a perspective on why the uh, why the markets are even? I mean, you could go look it up either way. But why so many markets question this merger? Uh, what do you mean by so many markets? Well, I mean, like if I go to Market Watch or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just reading some stories. Like I might read one, I might read conflicting stories even of Market Watch. But do you know why <laughs> so many investors are like, this would be bad? Uh, yeah, I think you know, if you know, both businesses are losing money. So even if you make a bigger business, you just lose more money, <laughs> right? Is one perspective. I think the reason Uber thinks about it is if. If they can aggregate it together, they can squeeze out a couple more percent, which allows them to turn the corner and actually make more money. I think uh, doing that is hard, right? Integrating companies is hard. Uh, well, that's a, that's, what you see, said that's, also. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm thinking is that this is a very difficult thing to do with any companies, small even, but when big ones merge, it's very tough. And Uber has to start making money on things. The 6,700 people that were laid off, out of that number, every person from Autonomous was laid off. I mean, the whole division, which they've wasted money on forever. So, I mean, like, I see that they're trying to scale back on things, but I just, don't you, these, I know that these investors have their, there are other reasons to be invested in Uber than to think it's going to blow up any day now and make money. And I'm not going to get into what all those reasons would be. You can go look them up on the internet yourself uh, because a lot of people just are in it for the trades and whatnot or, you know, what price it's at and where it'll go and just watching it. You got your hedge fund people and all that kind of stuff. But at this point, I would think that the actual investors of Uber, where they're scaling back, would actually question this too. Like, why why Grubhub? Why do we want that? <laughs> You know, I don't know. Like we were talking about, like it's not like every city in America, eighty percent of it, every city is Grubhub and Uber. It's not like that. I mean, there's some cities that barely have them and have others. Yeah, I think the reality is, you know, they're going to try to like bring demand together, but as sort of a gig worker they're going to still be forced to continue to juggle multiple things. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Yeah. Well, anyway, keeping an eye on that because I thought that was odd. But um, so uh, <laughs> without getting too deep today, uh, just to just to get, kind of get the ball rolling a little bit, um, can we let's, – let's talk a little AB5 but not like – not too in depth. Just, I, I, I'm I'm not sure how many people out there even know about AB5. So, we're not gonna next week. I have Marissa on the show, Marissa Marissa Eden, and she has a lot of background with AB5. Um, I do too. 
we did a lot of uh, study on, on AB5, and um, we'll be presenting a lot more. But I thought that David and I could maybe at least just kind of, because it's such headline news right now, and I know most of California is probably aware. But, for instance, I have a friend who works in the computer industry in Nevada, California. And when I said he's a, he, sell, he runs his own business, does very well for himself. When I said, you know, what do you think about AB5? He said, what's AB5? This was a, two weeks ago. So it's a law in California. He lives there. He doesn't know about it. And I feel like that's how it was slipped in a little bit. In a midnight hour in Gavin Newsom's office and finally just got around to signing it. So and also just with everything that's going on in the world. Everything that's going on in the world, it's hard to uh, – yeah, with everything that's going on in the world, it's hard to keep a track of all this stuff, right? <laughs> well, also, I mean, look, I mean, by the way, anybody listening, this is not the, in no way tonight are you catching me being pro or con. I'm just throwing some things out there. But when the pandemic hit, I know that there's been repeal AB5 stuff out there for a while. But even there was, I don't remember what the hashtags and stuff were, but there was like 10th repeal on AB5 at least. Because you got writers and stuff who could only do 35 articles now a year. And they're at home. They could be working and they can't. You freelance journalists. You have this, that, the other. And they've, I know they've done some carve outs for things like, you know, specialty doctors. Um, I think they did the news. I think they took care of the news people who were going to lose their jobs. Uh, uh, like newspaper, I mean. Uh, like actual printing and delivery and stuff like that. Um, but I know that there's been a, a ton of jobs, and next week we'll get into it more, but you, it basically goes back to if you don't know, you probably don't, there, you, can, you can Google California AB5 or California ABC test. You can go find that ABC test. It's real general. Um, to me, I don't know, I, with this big of a deal, I would think that they need to – Spell this out a lot cleaner than ABC. That's personal opinion, but it's not taking the side here again. It's just I think that that was made that ABC rule a while ago. I think that they need to be very clear with people because, like when David and I were talking earlier, um, Uber or they 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 secured their place on the ballot to have it on the ballot and have it voted for. And I know there was question on that, but I also remember Uber and Lyft. And is it DoorDash, the three of them that had thrown it together? They had basically said, like, we have the signatures the day we need them. And, they did, and you know, people were like, no, you don't, no, you don't. But the day they needed them, they had them. I mean, it, it was a no-brainer for them. Um, so they're, the, they're going to be on the ballot. I guess people will be voting on this. It'll be interesting to see um, how it plays out because I'm not sure how many drivers in California, like the type that – that some of the ones I know anyway, there's, some, there's a lot I know in California who are way pro AB5. And I talk to them often and, and they've been following this since the beginning. There are others out there who know about it, want nothing to do with it and just want to keep driving and earning because they're afraid of shifts. They're afraid of, even if you get uh, insurance, what will that insurance be? Will it be like catastrophic and a $20,000 deductible? Will Uber only cover half? 
Um, just being an employee doesn't mean you get uh, A-plus insurance, fully covered, no deductibles, dentist, this, that, the other. You still get flex schedule. You get all you want. <laughs> Do not confuse that, people, because a salaried position at any job uh, does not allow you any of those rights. In a salaried position, I've had one. I had one for a couple of years, and it was a production job, which means ridiculous hours. That could become like your worst enemy. So one thing I guess I I want to just kind of leave out there today, unless David has anything to add, but we'll move a Navy five next week, is that I think everybody should, if you don't know about it, because I know the people fighting for it really want it. They know them, and they're good people. And the people fighting against it, um, you know, I know a lot of good people in that group too. So I, I, I know that there's, Good people on both sides. Of the group. I know there's a lot of people who don't fully understand, but here's one question or something to ponder this week is, do you really want to fight everything tooth and nail to the bone to be an employee of a company which has a proven track record of treating its employees as bad or worse than the drivers? I just, I just want to leave it at that because I want you to think, and I'm, again, this is not me saying I think it's a bad idea. I just want you to picture it because, you know, what if you can't work both platforms or you find a way to do it, you find out you work for Lyft, you get fired from both. I mean, at this point, becoming an employee also becomes the option of being fired. You might have shifts. You might not be able to do any flexibility. Um, you might be told where to be. And I know these are just things we've heard, but to me – these are the things that do sound like an employer. These are, I've heard people say that, you know, they can't do that. Well, they actually can. I mean, this is what an employer gets to do. They get to make some decisions on where you'll be working, what you'll be doing, when you'll be working. Um, so I know you're, I know the, the main thing is a pay job and to get some expense. But, you know, like in New York, we saw the people had to pick shifts. I mean, they had to, you know, a lot of people who worked 50 hours a week and had been driving forever with a lot of rides, great rating, they were still only getting three, four shifts a week in New York. And they, you know, it, it maybe took their hours way down and they were making a little more on like day shifts. But most people I know in New York were making way more than the minimum or else they weren't even driving. <laughs> so again, just some stuff to ponder. We're going to talk about it a little more next week. Or a lot more. Um, yeah, and I think with just, all to, uh, just to sort of hop in, I think I agree with what you said. Is It's going to be a super interesting six months, right? So they put this on the ballot, and the ballot is in November. And you have to imagine that between now and November, uh, implementation or interpretation of AB5 is really going to pick up. And I think a lot of this has also been highlighted by the current coronavirus uh, situation, right, is uh, – right big workers and independent contractors being included in sort of the unemployment benefits or PUA or whatever, uh, you know, mix up that all was, that set an interesting precedent too. So I think between AB5, this ballot in November, the precedent set by unemployment insurance, things are coming to a head now and it's going to affect everybody. Uh, and sort of similar to what you say is depend either if you support it or you don't support it, now is the time to at least pay a little bit of attention and take a look and start to find out what 
you think about it because it will affect you whether you pay attention to it or not. Exactly. And not just you California drivers either. Drivers listening anywhere, Colorado, Massachusetts. I mean, we're not seeing, like, complete action on any scale, but every state's, you know, I pay enough attention that every state's rumbled about it. <laughs> you know, it's New Jersey has rumbled about it a lot. You know, they've kind of, they're kind of the opposite. It seems like they're getting very, a very hard shutdown out of the gate. No way is this happening. Um, but I know that a lot of states are, you know, not only are they talking about it, but they're heavily watching California to see what happens. I mean, you know, like, you, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, California drivers, but you guys got to pick your side and get out there and vote. I mean, it's one of those times where, not trying to be political here, but this is your, I mean, they really didn't have a vote getting 85 in place to make it a law. They just got a bunch of signatures. They got a bunch of people to kind of back the idea. Um, and you got a lot of government people, and you know, obviously, you know, unions and stuff that would be involved. And so somehow they got that through Gavin Newsom's signature to be a law as of January 1st. But, you know, we have, then we had a lawsuit. I'm not even actually a hundred percent sure now since it's on the ballot where that lawsuit is. Are you David? I don't even know. Uh, I am not either. I know that uh, that's sort of in the works also. And I think that is something uh, that will also be sort of another angle to all of this. I'm not sh exactly sure where it is right now. I mean, cause I'm sure it was scheduled for probably next January anyway, kind of thing. Like I'm sure that, you know, everything's so backed up with the courts that they weren't going next month to court. <laughs> so, I mean, it would, in this kind of case, it's going to take a Uber and Lyft and all those. They're going to tie this up for so long. So you're going to see the ballot box before you'd see that trial anyway. But I'm wondering if it's almost on pause to save the state of California some money before the ballot. I would, yeah. think, it, I, I would think it should be. If I was California... I would not be pushing this right now. Of course, you still keep looking into it, but um, Uber and Lyft did get it on the ballot. Right now is the time to, if you're pro AB5, you would want to get people to go out and vote for five to be to to be concrete, and for these companies to have to pay it. And if you're if you're pro self-employed and you and you like being an independent contractor that you need to get out there and vote against AB5. This is that time. Yeah, and I think that basically there's going to be changes every week. This is going to be sort of an unfolding drama. And frankly, I'm uh, excited to hear your take on it every week on your podcast. I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll probably come up more times than not. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want it to turn into like what, you know, what I felt like I had to go through with the PUA. I don't want it to be like the focal point. But of course, it'll come up on every podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's it's going to have no matter what. Here's here's how I see it. No matter what coming out of this pandemic, all gig jobs are going to change some. I mean, there's going to be government uh, probes into financing from these companies because of the unemployment system yeah. uh, um, helping them out or kind of bailing them out let's just say it i guess um you know i mean that's kind of what happened and those i mean 
I don't think I need to explain to people that that's the kind of thing that launches a major probe. So when we get out of this, don't be shocked when a month after a major probe goes down on Uber, <laughs> you know, because they're going to actually demand the information they've been asking for for years. They're not going to demand it because, yeah. <laughs> because we paid all these people a lot of money. We're gonna we're gonna need that. Well, no, no, no. What no more wells? <laughs> you know, it's, so there's. I don't know. By the time this this ballot goes in November, and if that's somewhere around the time of of a more reality, I know every day is a little better, but if that's like somewhat around the time of a reality, going back to somewhat of the old norm with some new mixed in, and however our world is gonna look at that time. I do honestly think that even if AB5 were to fail, saying it will, people start going crazy, people who are pro-AB5, I'm just saying, even even if it did, I see these companies being very accountable, not very, very accountable, but they're going to be held accountable on a level where it is going to be enforced, too. Yeah, I think sort of coming out of this, we just need to build a better new normal, uh, and I think Hopefully, people can work together. I think there's a lot of things that people agree on, uh, the implementation of it. People, like, you know, people have disagreements, but I think most people agree that, you know, hopefully we can build a better future for everyone. Right. And, I mean, and, and, let's, and, and, the, and the other thing, too, is let's, you know, Uber, Lyft, uh, DoorDash, DoorDash, state of California, cities of California, if anybody happens to be stumbling onto this podcast right now, um, word of advice, why don't you guys sit down in a room and talk and not spend $8 billion, $800 billion fighting this out? And let's put that money to better things. Because I feel like David just said a mouthful there. This could be worked out. <laughs> and yeah. it's just really sad that it's been arms up in the air, thrown up in the air, screw it, leave it to the lawyers. Yeah. Because we all know that just – in everyday life turns into you're going to go bankrupt. What? Leave it to the lawyers. You're going to be broke. You're going to be homeless. I mean, it, it just always does. And this is a major thing where the company can throw as much as California throws at it. So before you start doing that, get in a room and talk. And get people in that room who will talk. Don't put those same people in there on both sides of talking about who are so hard-headed that they don't know how to listen to the other side. Because I see a lot of that on social media. I see a lot of, you know, basically, if you're not AB5, don't talk to me. Or if you're AB5, don't talk to me. I I hate that. I mean, you guys, if we're shutting down on that level, I mean, just pure ridiculousness. I mean, I don't even know what you're fighting for. Because negotiations should be done without lawyers. Um, I know these are big companies, but (laughs) I really haven't seen the evidence I want to see yet that shows that they've really sat down and mediated this on many levels. I don't think, and it's because they haven't. You know, it's, I know they don't want to be in the same room together. There's people I don't want to be in the same room with, but get in there and get this done. And and I mean, especially you got a, a state suing them. So, it's going to cost the state of California and the cities a ton of money to do this, regardless of the outcome. 
So it could just become another huge major tax burden that doesn't even do anything. <laughs> or it might pass and, and it might not be what you wanted. So one thing is, I, I, before next week's podcast, is, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, do a little research if you don't know, and then please do listen next week because Marissa and I are going to talk about this, and we actually vary on a couple things on AB5, her and I, and we agree on some stuff. So we'll actually put it together so we run through maybe, uh, you know, the, the general context and then, you know, some of the core feelings, maybe even quote some drivers we know, and then maybe we'll get into, like, exactly how we feel about it and leave it up to some people if they want to chime in and, you know, afterwards say what they thought about any kind of stance or, or anything we said. You know, we'll reply back, but I think it's, you know, I, as much as I don't want to do it, I think it's kind of, I think we need to do it. I think we need to get on here and talk honestly about it because I think a lot of people are not, even people who are pro AB5 or against it aren't really that certain what it is exactly. And I'm I think super excited to hear that. I mean, that, that just could be a very dangerous thing is I guess what I'm saying. You know, don't be on, don't be on, either side of AB5 if you don't know what it is. <laughs> you know, no, don't do it yeah. because, because somebody sold you on it because it, it's going to put money in your pocket. If somebody came up to you and said, you vote for AB5 and you're going to make twice as much money, that's not enough information to have to vote for it. And I'm glad you that you're going to be talking about it, right? Because that's how people can actually get informed is hearing sort of the nuances of both sides rather than just drawing a line in the sand and saying, stand on one side. So exactly. I that's, yeah. Yeah. That's how I, that's how yeah. I don't want to do it. I don't want to yeah. do it that way so that it sounds like it's one side or the other. You know, I've, I know that this is still, you know, a newborn podcast almost, but um, to be honest, I, I'm trying to keep politics out of it. <laughs> so, I mean, I really do just want it to be a discussion amongst a couple of drivers. And I've been driving for six years, and Marissa's been driving since uh, 97, or 2007, 2017, jeez. So she's a veteran driver, too, uh, but we have a couple different takes on it, and I think that that, along with uh, some questions I'd like to round up this week, would be good. And uh, then I definitely, David, if you're going to have this ready in a couple weeks, you know, two, three weeks, Let's have you back on for a big thing on Argyle lunch on the show, even or whatever. Um, yeah, because that I think that good. once you have the tools up there to like, how, however your whatever the final finishing touches are that you're trying to put on it, you know, or how how it's going to look, whatever. And for those, you know, I'll again say it here at the end of the show after I wrap up some stuff. But you know, if you want to reach David, it, you can reach him at David at autonomy.jobs and you can also go check out the website if you still have it autonomy.jobs and uh, we'll put it up on the website too when I post the podcast but yeah David uh, a little bit over but so David and I also owe you a story the next time we talk and uh, he has a story and I have a story we didn't tell it. We're not. And, and today it looks like it's going to be t- too tight because we've pushed our time. But um, 
we both have a story we're going to tell about our Uber experience. We've all had them. Um, this this podcast isn't like some people's where that's all we do is just tell stories, but I'm going to try and tell my best driver story, and he's going to tell a good story as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be hopefully those will be fun for you guys too. So, but mine is a is a very interesting driver story. Anthony Davis is a very interesting uh, just company story. So. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, do you have anything else to add, David, or what they could do with Argyle last minute or what they, if they're really interested right now? Uh, no, I think if you're really interested, uh, I would love to hear from you. So just reach out. I'll explain to you what we're doing. And I just want everyone's feedback into how we build this basically. Cause, uh, you know, you know, better than me, what you want to see. <laughs> so you know, thanks for having me as always, Steve, and I would love to come back in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. And uh, again, one last time, everybody, that um, I did this with David already, and even the way he presented it back to me was so readable. So he's he's trying to clean it up, but really, even what he can give you right now on your feedback from Argyle is, is more than readable. And you, I mean, really can take in this information, so... Anyway, sounds like David's being chased by the police. Um, <laughs> another day in San Francisco. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's. Uh, you and I'll stay in touch for sure. But yeah, let's let's have you back on when the autonomy thing drops and uh, check out. Yeah, check out next week when we when we Marissa and I talk about uh, this at more length because uh, I think the AV5 thing is hopefully we can get it down enough so we're not spinning out of control or going the wrong way with this while talking about it, but we'll see, you know, truths will be dropped, I guess. Anyway, David, thank you for coming on. Um, I like having you on the show. So I know that we're still in the early days, but sorry, your second visit. I appreciate it. And, uh, we'll have you back in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah. brother. Hey, you as well. Bye. Whoa. Well, I went way over tonight. I was going to do a couple last things. Uh, two things I do want to address because they're not settled, but I want to make sure that they're put out there so that, you know, that we'll keep following and addressing them next week. Uber Grubhub uh, acquisition is still not completed, but it's very close. And there are people on both sides of this issue. Um, why they would, would not want it, thinking they might take over market, all that kind of stuff. Um, but this acquisition is in my, if in my guess, it's going to happen, you know, hope, and I, I would think it would happen soon too. Also, uh, the California air resources board has a plan that has been signed off on, by multiple officials to have Uber and Lyft, uh, make the entire fleet electric vehicles over the next certain amount of years. And I don't know what that term is. Again, it's, I don't think it's a, a term like autonomous. It'll be here next year. It'll be, it'll be here in two years. It's not like that, but I think they have a timeline for how they have to start um, resourcing the old cars out and only allowing electrics in for rentals, for whatever, for people. I don't know, 
Um, I caught a couple articles of it this morning, and I we will definitely be talking about this next week. So, again, I've gone way over. Uh, next week is all AB5, and I think it's going to be a really good talk. I'm going to try and get a few people on. Uh, Marissa and I will be here the whole time, so it'll be a great talk regardless. But I might try and pull in some other people or some quotes or um, statements or whatever and try and sort through all this. Until then, you guys have a great Tuesday night. Look out for each other. Uh, drive safe. If you're back out working full-time again already, um, stay extra safe. If you're if you're working gig, if you're doing uh, food delivery, ride share, don't let your guard down. Um, you know, stay positive. You know, drive safe and uh, look out for each other. And we'll see you back here next Tuesday. All right. Peace. Like the pine trees lining the winding road, I've got a name. I've got a name. Like the singing bird in the croaking toad, I've got a name. I've got a name. And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream that he kept here Moving me down the highway Rolling me down the highway Moving ahead so life won't pass me by Like a north wind whistling down the sky
pass me by. Mm -hmm. 